Have you ever heard of moral foundations theory? I hadn't either. It's new to me, but I'll tell you what it is. Moral foundations theory. It is a social psychological idea that tries to explain why we make the decisions that we do. We all have these moral human reasonings, but why? Where do they come from? In other words, moral foundations theory is the ground in which our decisions are born. Think about the name, moral foundations. It's the ground in which our decisions are made. It helps us answer why we make the decisions that we make. And apparently, in moral foundations theory, and there's a lot of scientific research that goes behind this. This is not made up. There are six different foundations. For the, think of them as like types of soil for what grows or what decisions and why we make decisions. The six different reasons or areas are these, and you may want to write them down. Justice, compassion, purity, loyalty, authority, and liberty. I'm going to say those again in a minute. Sometimes we seek justice or we feel like we need to fight for something that is right in us. Other times we make hard decisions based on compassion or authority. So here's a real life example. A family called me when I was in the office one day and they needed help with an electric bill. This happens quite often, weekly actually, so much so that we've developed an intake process for how we take phone calls for families that are in need. Their story was a tearjerker. They were about to lose their electricity, which meant they were about to also have their heat turned off, and we were in the dead of winter. So the family calls me on the phone. I'm hearing their story, and I gotta be honest, I'm moved with compassion by it. But as they're talking, their story, it sounds eerily familiar and so do their names. I take down all the information, I follow our intake process, I get the folder where we keep records of all the families that we've helped over the last several years and sure enough, five months prior, we paid to keep their water from turning off. Now what you may not know is that since we only have limited funds to help our community, we use our fellowship fund for that, we've set our own internal policies that we only help the same family once every so often. And we know what that number is in our mind, but we don't advertise it to the community. It's just something that we've created internally to handle the volumes of families who are in need in our community and who call us. It's kind of our own personal checks and balances to create a system as equitable as possible. Okay, so I'm on the phone with a family. They're about to lose their heat. I'm hearing their story, and I've got to make a decision. We've just helped this family a few months prior it would break our own policy to help them again. So how do I make this decision? What ground is birthed from this decision? Do I make it out of justice? If I do, 
I would have to tell the family, I'm so sorry, you're going to have to call the Salvation Army. We've already helped you once. We don't have the funds to help you again. Or do I break my own rule and make a decision based on compassion and I relieve this family of their stress? What decision would you make and why would you make that decision? That's moral foundations theory. So obviously there's a lot that I'm not telling you, but I am curious, what would you do? I'll tell you what I did. I paid the bill. I broke my own internal policy and I did it. I did it out of a sense of authority because I had the power to do it. I didn't have to go to five committees. I didn't have to make multiple phone calls. I knew I had the funds available. I knew I had the authority to do it. This family was in distress and their electricity was about to be turned off. So out of authority and out of a sense of compassion, I paid their bill. My heart was moved by their plight. That's moral foundations theory. And remember, the types of soil in which we make decisions are these. Justice, compassion, purity, loyalty, authority, or liberty. And there's so much more that you could learn about this theory. I'm only scratching the surface. I will say, if you have ever wondered why you feel like you're speaking past a family member or a friend or you can't understand in your right mind why your distant cousin would post what they post on social media, it is likely that you are operating out of a different soil or a different moral foundation. Let's take another topic. This is a great example. And I do apologize. This is highly confrontational, so be ready for it. What do you think about the Jacksonville Jaguars releasing Tim Tebow from their roster? <laughs> there is a lot of sports talk about this, and we are split down the middle across the country. A lot of people think Tim Tebow deserves to be a part of the team. They want him in the locker room. Perhaps they're acting out of a sense of loyalty or even a sense of purity because he's such a good guy. He's good for the team to be in the locker room. He's good for the sport to have him on TV. And they think out of purity and loyalty to the game and to the person that he deserves a place on the roster. There are others of us, me included, who want him out of the game of football to make room for the people who deserve to be there. Moral foundations theory would say that I'm choosing a path that's birthed from justice. He has not earned a spot on the roster. He is the sixth best tight end on his team. He does not deserve to wear a jersey. Make him a coach if he's that good. Moral foundations theory doesn't seek to do anything else but to help us understand why do we feel what we feel about the decisions that we make. And then it gives us a shared vocabulary to understand it. So why am I spending eight minutes on this? Because it builds on so much of what the Bible teaches us in Colossians chapter 3. And it really frames for us what it means to live a Christ-soaked life.
I'll explain. If moral foundations theory is the ground in which our decisions are born, Colossians 3 is the tiller for the kind of ground in which our moral foundations grow. And I'll show you. And this, to me, is amazing. This is in verse 12. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. The ground from which our moral lives spring, they should be tilled with compassion or kindness and humility. They should be tilled with meekness and patience. Think about what a tiller does to the earth. This is what must be done for us to live a Christ-soaked life. We have to take compassion and kindness, humility and meekness and patience, and to use those as tools that dig into the moral foundations of our being. All of these words should be what grind up our decision-making. And again, you can take any topic from Tim Tebow to war to poverty to humor and movies and friendships, whether you should wear a mask when you go inside or whether you shouldn't, whether you should use, get the vaccine booster or whether not, whether you're talking about hurricane relief for Haiti or refugee aid in Afghanistan, whatever the scenario is, apply the list from Colossians 3.12 to the biggest and most dense and difficult conversations that you are having in your life. And ask yourself, why do I believe what I believe? And then ask, am I making that decision based on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, or patience? If the answer is yes, you are living a Christ-soaked life. If the answer is no, then we have some soul-searching to do. And this lesson from Colossians, I don't think it could come at a better time. Our social fabric is splitting at the seams. Everyone, all of a sudden, is an expert about everything. And then their arguments are completely logical about the things they think they're experts about. And everyone has a strongly held opinion. Our social world is getting uglier by the day. And it's easy for us to get swept up in it. So as your pastor, I would say you need to heed Colossians 3.12 and make sure you're doing the hard work of asking yourself, how compassionate am I towards those that I hate? How kind am I towards those that annoy me? How much humility do I show towards those I disagree with? How much meekness and patience is there in me? Answering these questions, I think that'll help us be the ones who hold our social fabric together. Look at verse 13. Bear with one another, and anyone who has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive. To live a Christ-soaked life is to forgive. You have to look closely at this verse. Bear with one another. We don't reject others. 
we engage them. We stand in shared space with them. And when you start to disagree with them, which we all are, we have to learn to listen and then be willing to forgive. You can hold your own opinion and still engage the other with compassion. You can hold your own opinion and still be kind or to live with humility and meekness and patience. And if you do, then you can forgive them when they're wrong or when they hurt you or when they slander you. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, you must also forgive. A Christ-soaked life can live no other way. Look at verse 14. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds everything in perfect harmony. To me, verse 14 says it all. What a verse. We do everything with and for love, period. Love is the glue that binds us together in harmony. I was in a conversation the other day with people that I love about whether or not it is possible to hold the middle was the phrase that we were using. Can churches, can pastors, can we hold the middle? Can we reach people who are polarized on both sides and create a shared space that welcomes and engages both polarities? Can it even be done? I have thought about this every day since that conversation, and I think the answer is maybe. But it definitely won't happen if we don't hold each other together in love. And the only way we're going to do that well, or even just a little bit, I don't think we're going to love each other well. We just need to start with loving them a little bit is that you have to till the ground of your moral foundations with compassion and kindness and meekness and humility and love. And then we have to learn to forgive each other. If church is going to continue to be a place that can hold the polarities of the world, then it must learn to forgive and then to live with each other. And that's what you hear in verses 15 and 16. This is how we can do it. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts sing. Sing songs of, and praises and hymns and spiritual songs to God. To me, this is how the church can hold the middle but it will only hold the middle if the middle ground is soaked in worship around Christ. Anne Lamont has a new book out, and she's one of my favorite authors. And there is a refrain that she uses throughout each chapter of her new book, and the refrain is, the center may just hold. It can if we take verse 17 seriously. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. And that about sums up Colossians. In whatever we do, 
our actions or thoughts or decisions or opinions or our social media presence, our anger, our shame, our resentment, and all of our jokes and the people we associate with, those that we give money to, in all that we do, in whatever that we do, in both word and deed, what we say, who we say it to, what we do and who we do it with and to, what we do and what we say, all of it has to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Colossians means by living a Christ-soaked life. So let me ask you, what tools are tilling the ground of your moral foundations? If they aren't from Colossians 3, then they are not Christ-soaked.